want to give special greetings to our video audience. It's always good to have you with us. You're welcome here. If you are local, we have services at 9 and 11, and you are certainly welcome to attend in person. And if you're not local, invite your friends to watch. Today we're talking about vengeance. How in the world does that fit in with Christmas? But it really does. Um, you hear the question of, well, what is served best cold? And when somebody asks me that, I think, well, Hudsonville ice cream. You know, one of the biggest perks of living in West Michigan is Hudsonville ice cream. People talk about vengeance is best being served cold, but really Hudsonville ice cream is the best. I grew up near the Wells Blue Bunny, largest ice cream plant in the world. But Wells Blue Bunny just doesn't cut it compared to Hudsonville. So we're thankful for that. And if you happen to be an employee of Wells Blue Bunny and you tune in on this, too bad. <laughs> All right. Um, today we're talking about revenge. And it is a common saying that revenge is best served cold. Delayed revenge. Revenge that takes place years later. But we're celebrating Christmas the birth of the one who does not want revenge. You know, I think about that if I was God and the human race had turned their back on me time and time again, I'd probably want revenge. That's not God's nature. If it was, we'd all be piles of dust somewhere. But that's not how he is. Instead, he came to us and he, he doesn't seek revenge. Instead, he seeks redemption for us. You remember his prayer as he was being crucified where he said this. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Yet many of us have practiced revenge. Now, I have a favorite story about that, having to do with a 1959 Plymouth. And isn't that a cool-looking car? Cop car, that's when Chrysler still knew how to build cars. But anyway, um, it was a, a cool-looking car. And a lot of fun with those things. Um, in my hometown, and this story, I have no idea if it's actually true or not, uh, but I've heard it so many times that I, I want to repeat it. It's a, a story about a very pompous and very pious cop that they had in my hometown. And he had a car that looked just like that one. I couldn't find one that said Iowa on it, so you have to settle for an Oklahoma Highway Patrol uh, car. But... Um, it looked just like that. And what this cop did was he hassled teenage boys in particular. He liked to show his authority. He was a real alpha dog type. And that doesn't work with farm boys. It does not work at all because they can be just as aggressive, if not more so. But anyway, there's a couple of these farm boys, two brothers, that got ticketed often, actually had to spend the night in jail a few times because of this cop. So they decided they were going to get even, do some vengeance. Now, these boys trapped lots of animals. They did that just for fun. They trapped a skunk in a live trap, okay? Now, skunks are peculiar animals. I try to stay, avoid them if at all possible, but these guys weren't like that. And what they did was they kept the skunk in an old corn crib and made sure it had plenty to eat and plenty to drink especially plenty to drink. Then they took the skunk, 
held its tail down so it couldn't, you know, how do you say it in church, anoint things. And they, uh, they took the skunk into town in an old pickup and waited for the cop to go into the hospital because every night around midnight, the cop would park in front of the little hospital there and go in and have a cup of coffee and flirt with the nurses. So he was in the hospital. He never locked the car. So what these two farm boys did is they took this skunk and put it in the cop car, and left the window down about this far, and then they took a broom handle and irritated the skunk. So you can guess what happened. Well, the police cruiser had a distinctive aroma for at least a year after that. Now, that was based on their desire to get even with this cop. And I just think it's a cool story. But you know, it didn't smell very good in there. Revenge always stinks. Revenge doesn't work for any of us. It poisons us. And it causes a serious illness in our souls. It can become fatal to our souls. Now, I'm sure that no one in this room has ever put a skunk in a cop car. I would, I would be safe to bet on that. However, there are people in a nursing home in Sioux Center, Iowa, who, just, who are going to listen to this story, and they will know exactly who the guy is that did that, because he's a resident there now. Um, but I've heard of revenge. You may not have put skunks in cop cars, but I've heard stories of revenge, particularly in marriages, where one spouse will cheat deliberately because they suspect the other spouse of cheating. So they, they cheat to get even. Or spending money, if one spouse buys an expensive item, then the other one does it, same thing, buys an expensive item. Just out of revenge, just out of spite. I've seen people key cars, you know, take their car keys and scratch another car just because the, the other car has parked too close to them. And it's kind of human nature when somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back. I've seen physical altercations, even in the parking lot outside this church. I've seen insults, verbal altercations all over the place where there's name calling and uh, when somebody insults them, they would insult the other one back. They kind of divert the attention that way. You know, hey, but you did this. But vengeance is always a nasty business. It's not a good thing, according to the Bible. Now, Jesus talked about vengeance in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, You've heard that the law says that the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, Jesus is referring to an Old Testament law here that says that, an eye for an eye. But the purpose behind that law was to limit revenge. Because if somebody knocked your tooth out, you couldn't kill them and that would, wouldn't be okay. So this law was there uh, to limit revenge. But Jesus changes things. And he says, turn the other cheek. Now he's speaking it with a hyperbole. And it's important that we understand that's how the rabbis of his day taught. They used exaggeration to make a point. He was wanting to reduce revenge, so he overstated things. 
And he also said some other cool things about revenge. He said this, but you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. It's, it's hard to love someone who wants to harm you. It just is. It's hard to do good things for people who hate you. It's a challenge to bless people who curse you. And none of us want to pray for those who hurt us. But Jesus' idea was to replace the evil with good. He even went a little further and said this. He said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And again, he's speaking in hyperbole. If someone demands something from you, you don't necessarily have to give it to them. You know, like if I come up to you and say, hey, is your house paid for? Then I want it. Give me the title. Come on. You're not going to give me the title, are you? Not today, no. <laughs> or if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I like that Lexus you have. Give it to me. You're not going to do that. I drive a 10-year-old Toyota. It's paid for. But if you ask me for my car, I'm not going to give it to you. Buy your own car. What does, what's the deal here? You see, it, it's hyperbole, but his point is in verse 31. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And that's his whole point. Now, Paul gets real specific on this in Romans chapter 12. He says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. See, Paul got it. He saw the mission of the one who was born on Christmas Day to replace evil with good, to live in peace as much as you can. And then he goes on with this. He says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Your job is put in good, and let God take care of the revenge. As we all know that nobody really gets by with anything. The chickens always do come home to roost, and that's a fact. And when you talk about the Old Testament, and you see the vengeance of God in there, it's really not vengeance. See, God is not punitive in dealing things out. He's remedial. All of his punishments exist to help us grow, to help us change. He doesn't punish just because he likes to see us suffer. <clears throat> Paul goes on with this and explains it even more clearly. He says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. So simply be nice. Don't hit back. Help your enemies out. Be a blessing to them, not a curse. And then my favorite line, probably from one of my favorites from all of Romans, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Put good in every situation. 
Now, those of you who've known me for a while know I like to cook. I like to make things. I like to, boy, brownies, you know, I haven't made those in a while. And if I do brownies, I would make them with all the best ingredients. I make them from scratch. Use good flour, good cocoa and all that. And, you know, I tried that this week. So I made some brownies and uh, somebody took a bite out of one. Um, and that's, that's probably unfortunate that they did that because, you know, um, if you think about brownies, well, if you're making them and you run out of cocoa, what are you going to do? Now, that happened to me. And I've been dog-sitting a lot lately. And my backyard is like a minefield of dog droppings right now. You've got to be really careful. I have to check my shoes before I come in here because I... You know what I might be dragging in, but you know that that those dog droppings kind of look chocolatey. So if I'm a teaspoon short of cocoa powder, why not just put a little bit of dog dropping in the mix, and nobody will notice the difference, right? So whoever took a bite of this, <laughs> um, there's no THC in it. When you you could taste it. Yeah, yeah. You're the one that ate that? All right, you're busted, Todd. All right. But see, just a little bit would mean that, hey, I don't want to eat these. You want to eat these? No. I'm exaggerating. I'm using hyperbole here. But the thing is that just a little bit of dog droppings would spoil the whole batch. No one would want to eat it. And it's the same thing with revenge. Just a little bit messes up everything. And that's why we don't want to do that. And if any of you want the brownies, you know, help yourself after the service. But see, that's what revenge does. Just a little bit of it messes up everything. Your calling as followers of Jesus is to put good in instead. See, revenge is... According to Albert Einstein, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And we know that God is not vengeful, because if he was, none of us would exist. The human race would have been annihilated generations ago, because it has turned its back on God many, many times. But instead of annihilation, he came to us. Instead of getting rid of the human race, he became one of us, born in a barn to an unwed mother. Interesting how he chose to come into this world, but he did. And then he offered himself for us. What he did for us is pretty amazing. In Michigan here by Indian River, there's this crucifix by a little church, and uh, Diane and I went there a few years ago. It's really amazing to see. It's the second tallest crucifix in the world, and uh, it's, it's just awestruck. I was awestruck being there. It was a cool thing. But here we have what God is like. He is born to become one of us, born on Christmas. We celebrate him on Christmas, and then he died for us to redeem us. That's what Jesus does. He foregoes revenge 
and instead offers himself for us. So let's do the same. Let's be in the business of putting in good instead of retaliation. Let's be redeemers of a fallen world, just like Jesus was, because that's what he calls us all to do. So you want to know the meaning of Christmas? There you have it. That God chose to put good into this world instead of destroying it. And it calls us, as his followers, to help him put that good in. That's what you all are called to do. So let's be redeemers of a fallen world. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for the huge gift that you gave us that we commemorate each Christmas. We're thankful that you have come into this world, that you've been a part of us, and that you welcome us, even though we can't claim to deserve it. You came to redeem us, and we're thankful. Amen.